Fly Lake Norman, 1030. How are we doing this morning? Everybody feeling good? This is what I'm talking about. I had about, about forgot what time it was. I almost said the first service time. Hey, a couple of announcements before we get rocking and rolling uh, today. First one that I need to remind you of, I've been reminding you every week for the past couple of weeks, but we've got Mother's Day coming up in two weeks. Make sure if you got a mama, you're buying her a gift. And all the mama said, amen. We also have uh, our child dedications coming up that day as well. It's a day that we're going to celebrate. Uh, really dedicating our kids to the Lord. It's something that we do a couple times every year. and It's one of my favorite experiences, uh, being able to dedicate kids back to the Lord. Also, one other, one other announcement that we have today. Uh, man, we like to celebrate people. And uh, this individual that we're going to be celebrating, she has served in kids. She served in youth. Uh, every time she's here, she's got a smile on her face. Every time she's present, uh, man, she lights up the room. And she's also really good at CrossFit. So, Miss Claire Hendricks, could you make your way to the stage? Didn't know you are being called out this morning, but you're being called out. But y'all make some noise for Claire. So, Claire, give me a hug. Hey, first off, so you're, you're graduating. And then what's the plan after graduation? Let's go. So she's going to med school. Y'all make it, make some noise for that. Uh, listen, we believe in, in honoring where honor is due. So Claire, we want to give you a card and a gift. We're going to also ask, I, I do this for Kelby in first service, uh, but can we ask, can I get like four or five ladies to make their way to the stage? And then we're going to pray over Claire. Uh, let's see, Miss Mary Rose, would you mind if we give you the microphone to pray? that work for you? Listen, be prepared in season and out of season. Some of you are new to the church, like, what's going on? We're just praying. That's all it is. Uh, so listen, what we're going to ask you to do is extend your hand forward if you feel comfortable as we begin to pray. Miss Mary Rose, would you lead us? Absolutely. Dear Lord God, we just come before you, Lord Jesus, boldly before your throne. In the presence of you, Lord Jesus, we know that all dreams are going to be accomplished, and we just pray, Lord God, that your anointing upon Claire, Lord God, as she steps forward into a ministry of healing, Lord. A healing, Lord God, that only comes from you through her, Lord Jesus. We ask that you guide her steps, Lord Father. That she feels anointed in your path for her life, Lord God. That you lead her every moment of every day, Lord Father. That you strengthen her with your wisdom, your knowledge, your discernment, your understanding. In every decision that she has to make, Lord God, that she has your peace that surpasses all understanding. Knowing that you have sent her on this mission, Lord God, to be your hands to those that need to be healed, Lord God. To your, for your spirit, Lord God, to fill those, Lord Jesus, that are empty, Lord. We ask, Lord God, that you just meet every need that she has going forward. That she never has a moment of struggle, Lord God. That she just continues to walk and grow in you, Lord God. We ask that this church just rallies behind her, Lord Father, in prayer, Lord God, and constant petition, Lord Jesus, of praise and worship and thanks for an, another mighty doctor entering your mission field, Lord God. We lift her up. We ask a blessing upon her in the way that she may go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. Y'all give it up for Claire one more time as they make their way down. Thank you so much. Pass that to you. Well, here we go. Let's get ready to rock and roll. So we've been in our series called Home. This is week number three. Week one, we talked about this idea of being a unified front. And we recognize as a church that a unified front is a strong front. Whether that's in our church home or in our personal homes that we're called to be unified. Week two, we called men out and we said, hey, men, it's time for us to act like men. 
I don't care what culture and society says. You know, culture and society will say that there's a thing called toxic masculinity. Culture and society will say that men can have ovaries, they can have periods, and they can have babies. But we're saying, you know what, we're going to stand on the word of God. And what does God call a man? And if you remember last week, we were all kind of at the front. And we said, hey, not on our watch. Come what may, not on our watch. And week number three, we're stepping into this idea that young adults can thrive here. Now listen, if you're a parent in the room and you have a young adult, don't tune me out. If you wouldn't consider yourself a young adult, don't tune me out. If you're considering yourself as part of the established generation or the seasoned generation, don't tune me out because there are principles in this message that you can use to apply to your life as well. So today, Pastor Manny and I are going to be kind of tag team preaching today and And what I want us to to recognize is that a unified front is a strong front, regardless of the area that we're talking about, regardless of the generation that we're talking about. So if you're a teenager in the room, if you're a 20-something in the room, man, I want you to be on the edge of your seat. I don't want you to be kind of lazy and not paying attention. I I want you to understand what we're talking about today. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 16, taking a look at David before he was king, before he was in control before he battled Goliath and before he wrote any of the Psalms. So here we go. Let's dive into 1 Samuel chapter 16, picking up in verse 1. And it reads like this. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, contextually, what's going on in this moment is is God's preparing the next leader and preparing the next generation. And Samuel, the prophet, recognized that Saul wasn't following God anymore and that someone else had to replace him, but he didn't know who it was going to be. And God said to Samuel, hey, listen, go over to the house of Jesse. He's got a son that I'm going to anoint king. And what I realize in this first verse is this. It took the seasoned generation to call out the greatness in the next generation. It always takes the generation before to call out the next generation. What does this look like for everyone in the room? It means that we honor the past without living in the past. We recognize the past without just holding on to the past. Now, I know I'm a young guy, I'm still in my 30s, and and I'm holding on to my youth, but I found myself making statements like this. And, And the seasoned generation in the room, you'll know what I'm talking about, but I'm starting to say things like back in my day. Do y'all, anybody else in the room? But like back, back, I remember the good old days. I, I remember when. And you know you're getting older when you start talking about music and TV shows and the generation behind you is looking at you like, huh? Here's the problem. My wife and I are five years apart. And when it, it even happens in our own marriage, start talking about Carmen and she has no idea who Carmen is. Anybody else listen to Carmen growing up? That's what, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. My people. Now, I didn't listen to Carmen. I made fun of y'all. But, but it's, like the, it's like the next generation has an opportunity to call out the greatness in, or the, the following generation has the, the opportunity to call out the greatness in the next generation. But the problem is we begin to get cynical. The problem is when you start pointing out what's wrong with the generation coming up. There was a study that was done not too long ago, and and the study kind of went like this. Basically, individuals will follow the words that are spoken over them, regardless of what those words are. If they're words of laziness, they'll follow the laziness. If they're words of affirmation, then they'll follow the affirmation. Words hold meaning. Scripture even tells us that the tongue has the power of life and death. 
So my seasoned generation in the room, is anybody, if you were born between 1946 and 1964, could I have you stand? 1946, some of y'all are like, I don't know if I can get up right now. Y'all make some noise from our, for our seasoned generation in the room. Corey still has more energy than half the teenagers in the room. All right, y'all can go ahead and sit back down. But can I remind the individuals that stood up? Or especially though, some of y'all might be a little younger than them, but can I remind the individuals that grew up in the 70s and 80s, can I remind you what the generation before you said about you? Can I remind you that they pointed out your long hair? Can I remind you that they pointed out the way that you used to tease your hair and make it as big as possible? All the tie-dye that you used to wear. All, anybody used to wear bell, bell bottoms? Where's my, you wore bell bottoms. For, Corey, you wore bell bottoms. Absolutely. Please tell me you still have bell bottoms. Do you have a pair? I feel like you should bring back a pair one yeah. Sunday that you're playing. I think they're like in style now. Like bell bottoms are a thing, I guess. I don't know. But can I remind you that when you grew that mustache for the first time, what the generation before you said, when you tried to grow that beard, they told you that you were lazy, that you would never get a job, that you played your music too loud, and you carried around something that smelled a little funny. Can I, can I remind you what the generation said before you? And now you have an opportunity to either be the same way. You can be cynical if you want to, or you can call out the greatness in the next generation. You can call out what's wrong in this world, or you can call out the greatness. You can complain, you can point your finger, or you can encourage and edify. Again, what we know is this, that there's power in the tongue, and it has the power of life and Death. I'm going to ask Pastor Manny to go ahead and, and come on up with me. So, Manny, you and I talked about this a little earlier. We'll talk about it again now. Uh, but would you rather have someone speak life and encourage you or just point out everything that's wrong about you? I'm a strong words of affirmation guy. Words about anybody else in the room, words of affirmation, show of hands. I'm a big words of affirmation guy. In fact, one of the best things that my wife does for me is on Sundays after church, regardless of how good or bad the sermon is, she will point out the two or three things that I said that really resonated with her. So it's words of affirmation. Makes me feel better about myself. Any other husbands like that? You need your, you need your wife to tell you that you look good. You, you need your wife to tell you what you're doing right in your life because everybody else wants to tell you what you're doing wrong. I'm a big, big words of affirmation guy. So Manny, we both have, we both have two girls. I'm just thinking about what your response was earlier or what I thought your response was earlier. I'll tell you what it was. Um, would you rather people, society, culture, your church family, speak words of affirmation over your girls or point out all of their flaws? Man, I want words of affirmation to my girls. I got that, one right here, actually. That, so. that's not, yeah, Cora's right there. Everybody give it up for Cora quietly because she's sleeping. <laughs> but <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, but this, this is what we talked about earlier. So earlier... <laughs> When, when I asked Manny that question, um, he said, if they don't speak words of affirmations, we're going to have a problem. I thought that he said, we're going to pop a cap in them. So <laughs> regardless of what it is, either way, I'm good with both of them. So we're going to have a problem and we're going to pop a cap in them. But we, we both appreciate words of affirmation. I want to practice what we preach. And, and man, I want to acknowledge you and honor you for a moment. You've been on staff for six months now. And, and the way that you have led through transitions in your life, having a new girl or a new baby girl, stepping into a new job, new season, man, you have led uh, with patience. You've led with curiosity. Uh, you, you've led with conviction and you make us better. You make me better as a pastor. You make me better as a husband. You make our team better. 
and you make our church better. So could y'all make some noise for Pastor Manny? So we saw in, in verse 1 that Pastor Zach just went through that it took the seasoned generation to call it the greatness in the next. And here's what I love about our church family is we have so many generations represented right here in this room. Generations that can pour into each other to give each other life and for us to learn from one another. And one of the things that I find so interesting about the Bible is the fact that even though the world looks so different today than it did when David was alive and in biblical times, truth still remains. And so what I love that we just looked at in 1 Samuel chapter 16 is we're going through this story of David becoming king. So as we talked about, it takes a seasoned generation to call it the greatness in the next, but we, but we also have to have the faith that God prepares you for your purpose. And I'm going to jump into 1 Samuel 16, focusing on verses 10 and 11. So again, Samuel goes to Jesse in Bethlehem. He's looking for the next king of Israel. We pick up in verse 10, and it reads, Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Now I can imagine in this moment, because Samuel just got a promise and a word from God that he was going to be anointing the next king of Israel from one of Jesse's sons. So I can imagine him just scratching his head or stroking his beard in confusion saying, man, are these all the sons you have? And then we pick up, and then Jesse said, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. See, David was what he thought was just tending the sheep. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. I try to put myself into David's, David's shoes and listen and learn from his perspective. Could you have, could you have imagined if, if David heard that conversation? If David was in the room of Samuel and Jesse, and your own dad didn't even include you into the conversation of having one of the sons potentially becoming king. I don't know about you, but I would have been heartbroken. That, hey, my dad didn't even consider me out of all my brothers. I wasn't even a part of the conversation. But I believe because David was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was tending the sheep. He was faithful in that current situation and faithful in his current season that the Lord was protecting him. He was protecting him from hearing that conversation because if he heard that conversation, he might have questioned his self-worth. He also might have, it might have destroyed his confidence or it might have filled his mind with doubt and worry. But the Lord knew exactly what David needed to be doing. He knew exactly where he needed to be in that season to properly prepare him for what was to come. How many of us remember the, the 1984 movie, The Karate Kid, the original Karate Kid? Remember that movie? I wasn't alive when that was made, but I remember watching that growing up. And if you remember that movie, it's, it's Daniel or Daniel's son and Mr. Miyagi. They decide to get together, and Mr. Miyagi, the, the karate sensei, decides that, hey, I'm gonna teach you, Daniel's son, karate. And so he brings them into his compound. They start going through some stuff. But what Daniel finds out really quickly is that Mr. Miyagi is just having him do what seemed to be like such pointless tasks. That famous scene is what? Wax on, 
wax off. So after about four days of Daniel just doing these pointless and mindless things, so he thought, he finally looks at Mr. Miyagi and says, I've about had it. All I've done for four days is learn how to wax your car, learn how to paint your fence, learn how to sand your floors, and learn how to paint your house. What in the world am I doing? Why am I here? I'm just going to call it quits right now. What, you have, what you're having me do right now makes absolutely no sense. To which Mr. Miyagi famously replies, Danielson, not everything is as it seems. So he brings Daniel a little bit closer and says, okay, Daniel, show me the skills you've, you've learned. He goes, what skills? He goes, show me how to wax on and wax off. Show me how to paint the fence. Show me how to sand the floors. And what Daniel realized as Mr. Miyagi was now beginning to throw punches and kicks and strikes at him, Daniel was learning the necessary skills of all the mindless and mundane tasks that he thought had nothing to do with his destiny or his purpose. But he had an epiphany in that moment that he realized that he was preparing himself for success. So what seemed so mundane, so boring, and so pointless, Daniel asking himself over and over again, what am I doing, was setting him up to become a champion in karate. So my question is, have, have you ever been in a season of wondering? Maybe you're in that season right now trying to figure out, man, what in the world am I doing? What, what I seem to be doing right now seems so pointless. Maybe you're in school and you don't like school. Maybe you just started a job. Maybe you started a new career. Wherever you're at, young adults in this room, can I, can I have, give you one point would be this. Focus on the Lord. He's properly preparing you for your future. See, David was just tending the sheep, so he thought. He thought that he was just doing the thing that nobody else wanted to do. But, but tending the sheep took a special person. It meant that you had to trust the Lord in the midst of danger. See, it seemed like he was at the bottom of the totem pole. But this position, tending the sheep, perfectly positioned David for what was to come next. See, if David wasn't willing and faithful in his current situation... He would have not been properly prepared for what was to come in the next chapter. And I mean literally the next chapter in the Bible. Now we're talking about 1 Samuel 17. This is David and Goliath. If you've been around church long enough, you've all heard, we've all heard the story of David and Goliath. But I want to pick up in verse 32. And this is after Goliath has challenged the Israelites. And it says, hey, man, I want to go mano e mano, 1v1 to figure this out, to settle the outcome of this battle. And not one person in the Israelite camp stood up and said, hey, I'll fight him. David comes onto the scene, and we pick up in verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And then Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. 
See, David had the confidence to do what he did by killing Goliath in that season because this situation was not new for him. He had the faith and the confidence that the Lord was going to see him through in that field by himself tending sheep when he killed that lion and the bear. David's trust in the Lord prepared him not just to kill Goliath, but also to prepare him to eventually become king of Israel. So we have to trust that the Lord is preparing us for our purpose, but we also have to embrace our identity in Christ. Going back to verse number 7 in 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Here's the fact. If you're anything like me, we absolutely judge a book by its cover. And I know I can't be the only one in the room that judges a book by its cover. I'm I'm guilty of this probably every single day. We judge people by their appearance. We judge people by their achievements. We judge people by their worldly success. And even we see in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that Samuel was called out by God. Jesse was going through all of his seven sons and he was getting rejected because Samuel was looking at just their appearance. But what we find out is it's more important about the condition of our hearts. See, if appearance was the ultimate test of success, then any one of the seven sons that Jesse had go in before David came, he would have been a perfect fit for king. But the Lord said, I have rejected them all because I know the condition of their hearts. The Lord didn't just want another earthly and fleshly king. If that was the case, then the seven sons would have been a great fit. But he was looking at the condition of our hearts. And we all know that it's, it's not a bad thing to try, that you want to look nice, to be fit, to rock a style to the T. But, but an idol is created when our purpose and our identity, our self-worth or what we are known for is based on our appearance, it's based on our achievements, and it's based on our worldly success. And the moment we care more about those things rather than the condition of our heart, we miss the mark and we cannot and will not embrace our full identity in Christ. See, the Lord is more concerned about the condition of our hearts. See, I, ha- I now have two little girls. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter and an eight-week-old daughter. And here's my hope and prayer as a dad of two girls, that outside of their personal relationship with Jesus, my hope and prayer is that they can fully embrace their identity in Christ, that they would not look to the world for what is popular, they would not look to the world for what they need to be wearing, that what they need to be doing, they would not look for worldly achievements, but they would look to Christ and know that they can be firmly rooted in Christ's identity and have an unbelievable life. That's my hope and prayer for my girls. But easier said than done, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I remember in, in middle school and high school and even in college, I've, I've always cared about my appearance. I always cared about my achievements. I always thought that, well, what am I going to do? When's it going to be my time? When can I have the success that I want to have? And it was even a couple weeks ago, um, I was in... Kai Alpha, and I'm going to talk about this story. Actually, Pastor Zach, are you in the room right now? Awesome. I want to come up. The reason why I'm having you come back up here is because you're, you're a big part of this story. And 
I, I've always, if you know my, some of my family are in this room, I've always liked shoes. And, but I've never, I've never gotten into the, the Jordans game. And my, my family always makes fun of me because I would keep a pair of shoes for 10, 12 years. But every time I wore a pair of shoes, I would have to wash them because I just wanted them clean. But I've never gotten into the Jordans game until I started hanging out with Pastor Zach and Pastor Judah. And what I've quickly realized is that the sneaker game is no joke. It's a, it's a big deal. And so we, I decided to go down to Charlotte with Pastor Zach and Pastor Judah. And I said, okay, I'm going to see what this whole game's about. And we walk into this store. And these guys are, are they're geeking out about these shoes. And I'm looking at like, okay, well, they just they look like tennis shoes to me. And I'm looking at the price tag. I'm like, that's ridiculous. I don't understand that. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll get in the game. I'll, I'll join the game. But I'm just going to pick out a pair based upon the colors that I like. And I don't care about the drops or the styles, right? So I pick out a pair that I like, purchase them. I've had them for about three weeks now. And I kid you not, I've worn these about five times. Every single time I put these shoes on, someone will stop me that doesn't know me and say, hey, man, I like your shoes, nice shoes. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm wearing right now. It, it truly does amaze me. So I was feeling good, right? My appearance mattered. I was kind of felt like, oh, man, that's great. I got some cool shoes on. I feel cool, right? I feel good. Until one day, I walk into our Tuesday morning Chi Alpha. It's a young adults Bible study that we hold at Tuesday mornings at the coffee shop. I walk in, 7 o'clock. I order my coffee. One guy comes in. sees that I'm wearing the shoes. He goes, hey, man, those are sweet shoes. I said, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Next guy walks in. His name's Jack. He's a freshman goalkeeper at Davidson College. He goes, Hey, man, uh, aren't those women's shoes? <laughs> and I said, how, how in the world did you know those are women's shoes? Because I'm, I like sneakers. I consider myself a sneakerhead. And I know that they only drop those or release those in women's. And so as soon as the Bible study ended, I'm now feeling defeated. And look, he, he, the, the guy didn't say it to say he didn't like my shoes. He was saying it because it was a matter of a fact. But my confidence was so shot because I was so concerned now what were on my feet. No matter how many people told me they liked the shoes, as soon as I heard, oh, you're wearing women's shoes, my confidence was shot. So I get on a text thread. I text Pastor Zach and Pastor Judah. And I said this. I said, all right, boys, I have a serious bone to pick with you right now. Why did you let me buy women's shoes and here's the reason why I tell that story is because Pastor Zach's response to me gave me a give me a perspective shift it was such a simple response all that he said was true sneakerheads don't care that was it no other explanation no other justification nothing else that he wanted to talk about it was true sneakerheads don't care See, some of us right now need to have that same perspective shift that I had to have about my shoes because someone spoke into my life about not worrying about what the world thinks, not worrying about what other people talk about, not worrying about what you achieve. But if we can firmly root our identity in Christ, it does not matter what the world says about us, but it only matters what Jesus has for us and what he has prepared for our path and our destiny. Manny. Hey, make some noise for his shoes as well. 
be honest, I'm a little jealous that I don't have that pair. Uh, I know some of you in the room and you like shoes. People are showing me like the shoes they were wearing this morning. But even through that story and the rest of, of the message is, is very clear. What God anoints, nothing and nobody can stop. It's that simple. We have to go to the rest of the story and we have to continue to read and we read the next chapter and we know that David faces Goliath and, and David wasn't afraid, afraid to face Goliath because God promised him and he anointed him. David didn't know what was going to happen when he stepped onto the battlefield, but he knew this. It wasn't going to be his final day. He knew that there was more to come. Why? Because he trusted and believed God was who he says he was. So for a moment, if I could have every teenager in the room from the ages of like 13 all the way up to 25, 13 to 25, I get you to make your way up front. Come on, Ed. You can come too. 18 to 25. I appreciate it. Hey, one, I think it's kind of cool that uh, we have this many young adults in the room. We got this many teenagers in the room. Seth, how old are you guys? Oh, sorry, 13 to 25. Yeah, you can cut 13 to 25. How old are you? 12, stay young forever. Samantha said amen. I'm not ready for my girls to be up here. I got a while. Piper, no, she's not almost. At, I get, Satan, get behind me. My daughter's five, and she said Piper's almost to that point. No, she is not. She's not close. Don't do me like that. Listen, I have to remind myself sometimes that... Uh, my second semester of my junior year of high school, I felt called to be a pastor. Fast forward, uh, I, wasn't, I didn't become a pastor until I was 27 years old. So 11 years of waiting and 11 years of development. Uh, 11 years of feeling called, but like the stop, go, God, where are you? What's going on in my life? And even after I became a pastor, man, there were people that doubted me. There were people that said I wasn't ready. There were people that said I wasn't good enough. There were people that said I wasn't old enough. But regardless of what people said, I had to remind myself that God called me and that I felt that God anointed me to be a pastor in this season. So this whole week, man, I've been reminding myself what God anoints, nothing and nobody can stop. What I know is this, is in a room this size, in a group this big, some of you have been dealt hands that are tough hands. Some of you have been given a life that's hard to walk through. I know I'm talking to you guys, but, but Gary, I'm also talking to you. You're 22? 21? Not 22 yet. 21. Darius, 24? 23? 23 going on 33? You're, got, you're an old soul, baby. You got some wisdom in those years. You got some life experience. I know I've got Ellie up here. I've got Isaac up here. What I, I said this in first service, what I think that's cool is that half of the people on stage right now are 25 years or younger. That's a testament to them stepping in and using the gifts and callings that, that God has placed in their lives. But again, I know some of you have been dealt tough hands. Darius, not many people know your full story. You've been dealt a tough hand. And to see you come on the other side of that, man, it, it's nothing short of God moving in your life. And for others of you in the room that's standing up here, maybe you're questioning God in this season. Maybe you're like, God, are you, are you really there? Like, are you really listening to me? God, what happens on the other side of high school? God, what happens on the other side of college? God, what happens when I, when I grow up? God, what's the call that you really have on my life? Can I remind you that God can handle your questions? Can I remind you that God can handle your doubt? 
that God can handle your insecurity. But can I also remind you and speak over you what Pastor Manny just said, that God doesn't look at the outward appearance, he looks at the inward appearance. And, and as we continue to read the scripture, what we find in verse 13 is this. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, being David, in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And as I was preparing this message, and as Pastor Manny and I were talking about it, we were kind of preparing for this moment. And, and what I realized is this. The real anointing ha- happened when the Holy Spirit came upon David. It wasn't when the oil was poured on David's head. The oil was just an outward expression of the inward reality. Fast forward to chapter 17. David defeating Goliath wasn't God's anointing. That was just an outward expression of an inward reality. David being crowned king wasn't his anointing. That was just an outward expression of the inward reality. So I'm going to ask my seasoned generation. If you're 45 or older in the room, can I ask you to begin to make your way forward if you feel comfortable, if you feel that you call this place home? Can you guys kind of squeeze in a little bit? I'm going to ask you guys to come up front. Some of y'all are like, I'm 44, I ain't moving. Some of y'all are like, I'm 48, I don't feel seasoned, I ain't moving. Chris, make your way forward. But you're not the oldest person in the room. Anybody in their 70s in the room? How old are you? 77. Young woman. How old? How old are you? 70. She got you beat. She got you beat. But the beard looks good. I appreciate a good beard. But go back to go back to the first verse that I read this morning. Samuel had a choice. Samuel could continue to mourn. Can I stand up here so y'all can see me at the back? Samuel could continue to mourn or he could go out and anoint and he could go out and bless and he could go out and call out the greatness in other people. Seasoned generation in the room, you have the opportunity in this moment to point out what's negative in the generation coming up, to say back in my day, I remember when, or you can call out the greatness in the next generation. So when we talk about this idea of being a unified front, it's all the generations joining together, pulling in the same direction. Can I remind everyone that's up front, you're not the church of tomorrow, that you're the church of today. Can I remind you that we're not waiting on your time to come, that God's got a purpose for you right now. Can I remind you that you can impact the kingdom of God right now. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to be in a certain season of life. Can I remind you that that you're called Your greatness is called to be pulled out of you. Your unique divine design is called to be pulled out of you so that you can impact and expand the kingdom of God. Listen, we can be a church that's going to talk about it or we can be a church that's going to be about it. So that seasoned generation, I'm going to challenge you this morning if you feel comfortable. But I'm going to challenge you to start praying over everyone under the age of 25. And if you're between 13 and 25, what I'm going to ask you to do is kind of turn your palm towards heaven. might feel a little weird. Why, why do we do this? It's just a sign of surrender. It's just a sign of saying, God, I want, I want to steward everything that you've placed in my life. God, I want, to, I want to be ready when my time comes. So seasoned generation, can I ask you to begin to lift your voice and to pray over the individuals in front of you as we step into work.
as this generation is standing up here getting prayed over and as they sing the words on the screen that it's your breath in our lungs that we would re realize and remember that anytime we inhale, it's not meant to hold in, but it's meant to be let go. So Lord, as they receive their gifts, as they receive their desires, as they receive their calling, as they receive, as they receive these prayers, I pray that they would recognize they're called to hold them with open hands. They're called to give them back to you, not to hold on to those gifts, not to hold on to those dreams, not to hold on to those desires, not to stifle them or to smother them, but to release them with open hands that as you give them their desires, that their desires will be given back to you. Lord, I pray that in this moment they would realize that this can be a defining moment in their life if they allow it to be. For individuals in this room, this will be a moment that marks their lives forever. For other individuals, this will be a moment that seeds are planted and those seeds will come to fruition in the next season. God, for some individuals standing up here, they're like, this is weird, this is awkward, I don't fully get it. Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, their minds, and their souls, that you would give them a sense of peace in this moment. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that we're called to be a unified front. That we're called to say, not on my watch. That we're called to pull forward in a singular direction for a cause greater than ourselves. And that cause is always the kingdom. God, you're good. You're good. And it's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Man, well, can y'all make some noise for everyone that got prayed over? Y'all can go ahead and make your way back to your seats. Man, I, I said this, uh, you heard me just kind of say it when I was praying, but for every person in the room, and this could be a defining moment if we allow it to be. For others in the room, it's like, oh, that was weird, that was awkward, I'm not going to pay any attention to it, but, but man, can I remind you? that God has placed greatness in every single individual in the room. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we believe that the most important decision that, that anyone could ever make in their entire life is to step into a relationship with Jesus. On the count of three, if that's you, if you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Not to embarrass you, not to call you up front, but so that we can say a prayer collectively together. If you're saying, Zach, man, that's me. I need to fully give my life to Jesus. I need to fully surrender to him and his purpose for my life. On the count of three, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Ready? One, two, three. And all across this room, if that's you, if you say, Zach, man, I need that. I want that. Awesome. And if we could say this prayer collectively together, can we say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Can we make some noise for the individuals that just stepped into a relationship with Jesus? Hey, listen, if that was you right outside the doors to the left, our wide awake and fully alive area, we want to get to know you and your story. It's the most important decision you could ever make in your entire life, but it's just the beginning. Hey, church, we'll be right back here, same time, same place next week as we continue to love Jesus and change the world. We'll see you next week.